All right, welcome to another episode of The Coach's Box. Uh, we have a special athletics roundtable episode for everyone today. So honored to have uh, guests from around the country uh, that are going to talk about their experiences as, as women in athletics. So we have um, folks that have had great journeys and have made a huge impact in their respective areas. Uh, and so we have uh, five, five guests today, and I'll allow them to introduce themselves, and we'll start with Miriam. Sure. My name is Miriam Merrill. I am the Chair of Physical Education and Director of Pomona Pitzer Athletics. Hi, Angel Mason. I'm the Director of Athletics for Barry College in Rome, Georgia. Danielle. Hi, everyone. My name is Danielle Lynch. I'm the Senior Woman Administrator and Head Track and Field and Cross Country Coach at Penn State Harrisburg. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, my name is Renee Bostic, and I'm the Director of Athletics and Wellness at Notre Dame of Maryland in Baltimore, Maryland. Hello, everyone. I'm Renee Edwards. I'm the Senior Associate Athletic Director, Senior Woman Administrator for Compliance and Student Athlete Affairs at Mississippi Valley State University. Excellent, excellent. Thank you each and every one of you for being a part of the show today. And, and so we could do this popcorn style, whoever you know wants to go uh, answer questions. Um, please feel free to do so. And so I want to get it started by just saying, who or what inspired you to do what you're doing today? I'll kick it off. Um, so I kind of fell into this and then just ended up loving it. Um, my like greatest mentors in helping me along this path are um, Sharon, Dr. Sharon Beverly, um, as well as Miss Alfreda Goff. She was my, um, she worked at my conference office when I was a student athlete in Indianapolis and has just been like a continual resource um, as I've tried to work through the terrain of, of higher ed and intercollegiate athletics. And so they've continued to be folks that I can call on and lean on. And then um, the person who's been with me the longest, John Hine, he's the athletic director at Hamilton College. And he was my senior associate AD and oversaw women's basketball at Butler University. And so he has literally been with me since I was 18 until now and is the first person to tell me that athletics is probably where I should be. And I'll jump bounce off of that because prior to Angel, I was the senior, or after Angel, sorry, I was the associate AD at Hamilton and I will concur just how much of a champion uh, John Hind is. One of the things that I always joke with him about is you're responsible for about 50% of the black women who are ADs right now, right? And it's, it's not quite that high, but what I will say is he is a huge champion. But when you ask about what inspires me, same as Angel. When I finished college, I wanted to work in public relations. You know, I was kind of done being an athlete because it was all your life, you know, and I played AAU basketball during the summers. So I just wanted it to be me. Um, and then was out of college athletics for about three years and was like, okay, I missed this. Um, but one interesting thing is my track and field coach was really adamant about me meeting administrators when I was a student athlete. And I was just like, why? Um, it's funny because, um, so Brenda Ware, who was a commissioner at um, Conference USA back in the late 90s, he was like, I want you to meet Brenda Ware. And I'm like, okay. Um, so got a chance to talk to her. She talked to me a little bit about um, being a commissioner. And so I was like, mm, that sounds interesting. But it wasn't until kind of I got back into athletics that I was like, oh, like this is what athletic administration is and how great it can be. 
Um, so another woman, Dr. Robin Martin, who used to be the um, SWA, I believe executive senior associate at University of Cincinnati, she played a large role in the very beginning to help kind of shape and figure out how I could kind of move through athletics and transition from coaching to athletic administration. Um, and I would say though, currently, I'm certainly inspired by women who are on the call today, right? In my community, who really is there to help support me and guide me when I go through tough things, when I need to just talk about this or ask about that. So uh, they're the ones who keep me inspired right now. Well, James, I was actually supposed to have my own uh, chain of enterprise rental car agencies by now, uh, to be honest. Um, but however, my uh, college coach, Diane Ford Key, I uh, saw something a little bit more in me and say, uh, no, you're going to graduate school. You, you can do a, a whole lot more um, um, than, than that. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but um, being a student athlete, play softball in college at Shaw University and um, doing some of the times when she was um, kind of dealing with some health issues with her husband, I kind of ran the show for um, being the captain of the team and also kind of helping out my teammates, making sure that they were staying on track. Um, you know, with their studies, you know, kind of holding down the office for her when she was out. Uh, little did I know then, it kind of had an epiphany that it was kind of laying the, the groundwork um, for me. And she was saying that, no, you're going to go to graduate school. And during that time, I only saw individuals coaching, compliance, or sports information. And I was like, I didn't want to coach, didn't want to also saw what my coach went through. Um, didn't consider myself a great writer, you know, Sports information was out of it. Um, and then like, well, I went to Northern Illinois University and actually got the opportunity to do a free uh, internship in the Department of Athletics. And that was probably my first time seeing a, a female athletic director up close in, in Carrie Graw. And she provided me that opportunity uh, to do that. And then a little further along, um, you know, I had the opportunity to go to South Carolina State under Ms. Charlene Johnson. And she kind of planted the seed of, you know, possibly moving up into athletic administration, AD down the road in the future, planting that seed. And prior to that in high school, actually my first um, basketball coach, Linda Brown, kind of instilled in me sawing that seed. So let me see that, okay, there's something different. All of my coaches do not have to be male, that they can be female. And that she was actually coming back and giving back and kind of setting the tone early on. So those are some of my experiences that kind of helped me and individuals get me where I am today. I'll kind of uh, jump in from there. Uh, I have some common people um, in this room too. Uh, Alfreda Golf was is, is one of them. Uh, my my background is probably a little bit different. When I graduated from college, I I, I knew I wanted to get back into athletics, and I I was a basketball coach for uh, 15 years. And actually, Marion, we coached at the same place for a little bit um, when she was a, a track and field coach. Um, but Alfreda, when when I was when I was at a crossroads with athletics, uh, with coaching and administration, she definitely was someone who like pushed me and propelled me and said, "You can do it." Um, and the biggest thing was like, you know, as coaches, we do the same thing as athletic directors do, just on a smaller scale. You make decisions every day. You get folks in the right places. You make sure things are um, where they're supposed to be. You you make budget choices and budget in budget decisions. So, you know, she was someone who kind of um, shepherded me into my role. Um, and then some other folks, uh, China Jude, I, I got to, a chance to meet her as a colleague and she has definitely been someone who has, who has helped me 
along the way. And, and, and the folks in this room and the folks that I've had a chance to meet as an administrator and as a coach and, and serve with them in, in many other capacities. Not to rename folks um, and definitely to give credit and love to, to the ladies in the room. Um, I think I've been inspired by so many that we could take the rest of uh, this talk to really discuss the, the motivation um, that I received when I entered athletics uh, at the age of eight, my first coach was a female. And so that kind of set the standard in my mind of what a coach was and what a coach could be. And originally I was thinking I wanted to be an athletic director at the high school level, um, but went on to college, was um, studying geography um, and really interested in disaster management mitigation and was hoping to get a job uh, with FEMA. Uh, and then I used the little bit of graduation money that I had um, and I took myself, I qualified, so I took myself to USA Nationals for track and field. And I was sitting in the stands watching um, on the day that I wasn't competing and just started talking with the West Point coach. And I didn't realize the West Point coach had watched my career. And he said, have you considered coaching? And I looked at him like, I can't deal with people like me, not multiple people like me, headache athletes. And he said, well, it's something that you should consider. You know, we have, we're going to have some job openings. So I presented the plan to my parents, move to DC for an unpaid internship with FEMA or take this job. And my parents were like, you already know what it is. <laughs> you can join the local office of emergency management in the Hudson River of New York. So um, I, I kind of happened into coaching and then I found such a love for it and I found that I was pretty good at it. Um, but being at the D division one level, I did not often see the easy transition. I saw that there were administrators and there were coaches. There was a very, uh, and at West Point, there were administrators, there were coaches, and then there were um, colonels that were also a coach. So it, it was, I, I couldn't see a clear line to administration. And I really did not see that until nearly 10 years later when I transitioned out of division one coaching and into division three coaching. And folks were saying to me, have you considered athletic administration? And I'm like, oh, you know, I did once upon a time, but I don't know, you know, I'm not there yet. And then <laughs> in division three, when I saw all that was asked of me uh, and suggested to me, I said, oh, here is that transition, here is that segue, here is where I can reach more people. This is where I can be um, able to affect change in a, in a more major way. So I'm excited to continue to make this leap uh, into athletic administration. And, um, you know, I'll always be a coach, but, but as Renee said, uh, you're, you're still doing the same things, you're just coaching coaches. So I love that piece. You know, one thing that I just want to add that I think I've heard from everybody, which, you know, the research suggests that, you know, for women, it's usually somebody who says, hey, you'd be good at this. And it usually takes us seeing somebody in that role to say, yes, I can. Right. And so hearing everybody's experience really just underscores just how important it is for us, particularly women of color, to be in these spaces. Uh, and then also other folks, allies saying, hey, you can do this in order for us to kind of represent uh, in this space. Yeah, I think that's an excellent segue to the next part is um, as women of color in a male dominated field uh, and a white dominated field. Uh, so what, 
what are some of your uh, experiences as it as it pertains to having that intersectionality of identity? Oh, intersection of identity. I mean, the the thing about it for me is it it can't be it can't be separated, right? So there are times when an interaction may be a little different, right? And I don't know whether it's because I'm female or is it because I'm black. Um, but what I do know is in order to be able to navigate these spaces successfully, and I'm probably gonna say this a thousand times, so sorry, everybody, but it's like having this group and a community who I can lean on. Uh, and that is something that I always tell folks coming up behind me is if this is what you wanna do, you've gotta create a community because if you, you don't do this on your own and we all stand here on the shoulders of somebody else who came before us. Um, so that is truly being important. So, you know, are there times when it's tough to be the only black or female, right? Yes. Um, but I think, and I imagine that most of us um, have taken on this responsibility because that's what we know we've got to do. So. Yes. And I'll piggyback on the Miriam and say that, you know, sometimes you, it makes you feel like you have to work twice as hard, which you, you actually you do. And then, you know, my background also coming from an HBCU undergraduate and then going into say PWIs uh, working at Iowa's Virginia Tech, South Carolina's, um, sometimes they tend to look down on the degree, kind of saw that more in the graduate school space um, of thinking, you know, maybe you don't belong, kind of second guessing yourself. And you definitely have to have that support system of individuals around you um, to get you through that. Um, however, I believe my training, and like I said, I hold my degree up against anyone else's degree that they have, and it comes down to your hard work and your know-how, ability to do it. And I think I'm, you know, I'm very good at, you know, being able to research, you know, manage up, you know, doing those same things in those spaces. But a lot of times, yes, you do have to say prove yourself before you take it seriously in that room and in that space. Yeah, just piggybacking on that, I think the other thing is is bringing yourself to the table every day, right? And at the one thing I know all these these young ladies in this room, we always bring us, like we're authentic, we're, we're our authentic selves. When, when you hire us, you hire us for, you know, we're a woman, we're a person of color, we may have been a coach, we may have been an athlete, we may have been other things, but but bringing all of those things to the table. Yeah, I, I would say for me, it's like, and I have kind of a funny way of expressing myself with folks, but there's always going to be people that look at some part of my identity or any of our identities and, and have something that is of a concern. But like I affirm to people, I didn't just wake up a woman or wake up black yesterday. So what you're trying to function through right now, I've already been there and done that. So don't make me carry whatever it is you're trying to work through. That's you and your mirror. Um, the other part you know, that I think is extremely important and, and it really kind of lends from Miriam's point is that I try and tell people all the time, it's one thing to go and network and try and like find people that have done the work or doing the work that you wanna do and all of that type of stuff, but don't overlook having peers that can rise through the rankings with you. Um, and whatever that rise means, it's not always, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are in this space now of like, we have to consume the chair, the AD spot. Um, I feel like you should be leading from wherever you are and having a peer group around you that you can lean on, right? Because 
we all know how important that is to have that support network. Um, but also sometimes it's validating like, um, sis, am I losing it? Or I expect for you to be able to hold me accountable too. So that when, when I'm doing too much, you could be like, mm, sis, you, you were doing too much on that one. Like, Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm going to reel that back in. Uh, but, you know, you can have that and know that you're in a safe space with people. So I think that that's also really important for individuals as they're coming into the field. Don't just look past the folks that are doing the work that you're doing or are the next step to where you want to be and try and just go and find those folks that are in the positions that, you know, 10, 20 years down the road, you're going to be attempting to attain. Um, I, I believe I probably have more experience um, speaking about, uh, I guess, interfacing with people from a coaching perspective and my gender, my identity, my age, my marital status. Um, I, I'm laughing as I hear others talk. I'm thinking about when I first took on the job that I'm at now and I had a man say to me, oh, so I guess they just wanted a black person and a woman of color. And I was just looking at him and he was the head clerk to check in for the event we were at. And I was just like, sir, I, I'm sorry you didn't get the job. You know, you should check my body of work. You should check my resume. I, you know, I'm excellent at what I do. Please have a wonderful day. And I understood that I was moving because I had arrived and I had caused a problem. And um, I, I love the piece about showing up as our authentic self. Um, I'm also laughing to myself because I was, I was awarded coach of the year for my women's program when it was my men's program that did well, where I had three, either way. And I, and I was the only female within the conference. And I said, they had to give me something and they weren't giving that piece up. And, and I had to laugh at it and just say, yeah, you know, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and just all of these instances where um, we are, you know, pushed aside or, uh, thought around or looked over. Um, I think all of those, those experiences for me have helped me to understand other people's journeys and understand that people aren't always handed things, that there is a piece, there is a large amount of work that goes into it. So when I'm in a room with women like I am today, I'm, I'm blushing and I'm excited because I wanna hear what they have to say. And I wanna understand what their journey is because I know it it was at least what I've experienced for them to get to where they are. So um, I love bringing all the pieces of who I am every day when I interact with students um, and student athletes, they gain something from those. They're challenged by it sometimes, but they're also supported in other spaces that I'm not even thinking of. And so when, you, when you're going through your day-to-day -day process, you're gonna have good days, bad days, successes and challenges. And I, I think that the environment, the space that we're in now presents a lot of barriers that weren't there before. We're all trying to figure out what do we do with it? How do we have some sort of uh, season? How we have some sort of um, team chemistry, uh, working with coaches to kind of figure out all these issues. Uh, and so I would like for you all to kind of just talk about the successes and challenges you've had in, in your career within the industry as it pertains to some of the day-to-day -day things that you all do.
Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. Um, so I would say for for me, the biggest challenge has always been um, me and deciding what it is that I really wanted to do, um, where I was being called to do work, like what my passion was, what kind of gave me excitement, what made me want to jump up every day and go to work. Um, and that was something that I had to parse through. It didn't really live with anyone else. Um, I'm, that was like my biggest challenge. Now, the things that the hurdles that people have thrown in front of me over the years, um, I'm athletic. I, I, I can jump well or maneuver around. I, I don't spend any energy in those. Um, I, I refuse to give people that show up with their hurdles um, my energy at all. It just seems like a waste for me. Um, so I don't. But in the same token, I think spending that that time with myself and being very introspective on what it is that I want and trying to figure out my own um, journey, where I've had the most success is having a small group of individuals that I can be extremely real with um, and kind of bear myself in a way that I wouldn't in other shared spaces. And, and those people range from Black people, white people, um, Hispanic people. Uh, those are people that are on my little executive team, um, men, women, um, folks that I know that truly are vested in my success and that we're, we're connected together in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so that has led to me being able to, for me, Division Three is a space that I want to be in. Right, I've actively chosen that because though I competed at Division One, I, I feel like as a whole, Division Three is more closely aligned to my student athlete experience, and that's what I wanted. Um, and then from there, the thing that has made me want to be in the space that I'm in right now is that yeah, I didn't see a lot of people that look like me um, in these spaces, and I wanted to be able to provide that to students that look like me, but more importantly, to students that didn't look like me. Um, I've specifically chosen very strong academic institutions that are predominantly white, um, and it's because I feel like I have a responsibility to show individuals that people that look like me can be neighbors, employees, future employers. They should be people that you can consider having as best friends, right? So I try and just pull it from the side of, okay, hurdles, great. That'll keep me, that'll keep me athletic, it'll keep me fit, but here's where the work is. And, and my focus being there, I think has led to me being able to be successful in this space because my entire focus is on serving the people that are greatest common denominator and that's the students. They're what's next. Um, they're are what's going to make this type of conversation in 20 years less difficult and not having as strong of a value because we're working more towards creating a new norm. Yeah, and you talk about you know division three. One of the things that I feel like I've witnessed in division three is this shift that's happened that probably isn't well. It, we know it hasn't happened before, but the number of Black women who have taken the AD chair in the last year in division three, right, starts to give me hope that we're shifting in a way that is progressive and um, and great. Um, 
So I'm glad you brought that up just about division three and, and what it means to you to be someone who currently is a minority, but uh, eventually, hopefully that will not be the case. Um, and so as you talk about like successes and challenges, I'm actually gonna talk about it now. Somebody's gonna hear me talk about starting a new job during the pandemic. <laughs> Holy moly. I mean, okay, so let me just say this. Um, the biggest challenge is that my uh, predecessors, administrators pr prior to me really did a phenomenal job of laying the groundwork so that I could come in and roll, right? But the challenging part is because we are virtual, I can't roll as fast as I want to. And so that, and me as somebody who's like, let's get stuff done, like, let's get after it. Um, it's challenging because I have to temper that. I also have to manage my own expectations for myself. You know, it, it feels, I think it's eight months now. In some ways it feels like month two. In some ways it feels like year five. Um, because I know that whenever we get back on campus, there's gonna be a time I'm gonna have to relearn everything, right? Like, so really it's gonna be two years of me still trying to figure things out. Um, so I think my biggest challenge is not being able to roll as fast as I want to and develop those relationships with the people that I work with in a deep and meaningful way. And I feel like I've been as successful as I can, but it's it's been like this, right? Like we haven't been able to be in person. Um, but as we talk about successes though, the way in which we've been able to pivot dur during this time of being virtual. So um, Pomona College and Pitzer College have been virtual this whole year. Uh, we kind of shifted to do programming that we wish we had time to do. So diversity, equity, inclusion, leadership institute, um, and uh, really focus on mental health and wellness as well. So the way in which we shifted to really do a lot of this work, I think um, has allowed me to feel like we've had some success since it hasn't been related to all of those other things, whether it be competition or students being able to have a great experience as a student athlete. I um, kind of attribute, I guess, my successes uh, to the student athlete experience. Um, the first 15 or so years of, you know, intercollegiate athletics for me was in the academic support area for student athletes um, and, and being able to connect with those students, um, see them grow, kind of pour into them and having them see someone, you know, that looked like them as well. Um, there was, was very important um, considering, you know, the places that I, that I worked, that I worked uh, early on. Um, and then also, again, you know, kind of being that mother figure but also that disciplinarian when they needed it to let them know that, you know, we do care that you don't have to get everything that you want right then and there, that there is a process to that. And so seeing those students, you know, from you know, the recruiting process to graduation, you know, their growth and maturity, you know, I consider those a lot of my successes, um, you know, early on and now on the administrative you know, side, you know, trying to, you know, make that student experience the best that it can possibly be for them. Um, some of the challenges is always, you know, trying not to be so task oriented, uh, goal focused, uh, especially when you're, say, in the area of compliance, you know, there's a lot of dates, a lot of deadlines, um, and things of that nature that you have to meet. And of course, that competitive spirit in you, you know, you want to get things done um, and have, you know, that checklist. Uh, but, you know, uh, for me, it's kind of, you know, making sure I have that balance and I'm taking time out to create those relationships you know, with my coaches. Um, I think I have a, you know, great uh, ability to connect with um, individuals on campus and making you know sure that you know athletics yes is seen as the front porch of the institution but that we blend with the institution and that you're taking on the academic mission 
um, as well and instilling that into the student athletes. Uh, so that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I kind of work on, again, with that relationship building and understanding when not to be too heavy, um, but giving, you know, the coaches and administrators, you know, things that they need to also be successful. I guess I'm gonna jump in right there following my namesake. Um, so for me, you know, my success is I had an awesome experience as a, as a student athlete. So that's why I work in athletics. And, and that's why I jump out of bed every day. Like I want, I want them to have an awesome experience too. Um, with that kind of goes to one of my hurdles is that when we do have setbacks or we do have challenges, how do, we, how do we manage them? How do we address them, right? And a lot of times some of our students haven't been around, you know, people of color or women of color or women in these positions and, and having them see us do it with our grace and humility um, and, and, and having favor for folks when the midst, in, in the midst of a storm, you know, that, that's a hurdle, but that's also a success for us too because we're having an opportunity every day to change people's outlooks on not just us, but, you know, tons of people that they may not even come into, um, come into action with them for years to come. But, you know, they had a good experience as, as a student athlete or at the institution with someone that they may not have crossed paths with before. I'm trying to think what I will share. I, I like how, um, Miriam suggested we, we share COVID a bit, or she shared starting a new job in COVID. So I thought I was going to be ending a job in COVID with our seasons being canceled, but um, I was able to kind of step out of my named role and transition to help um, on the other side of campus within student affairs and student engagement and work within diversity, equity, and inclusion to kind of show my skill set in a variety of spaces. So um, that has been both, I think, a, a challenge and a success to the point where I had to say, is somebody going to tell them that I need to go back to athletics? Because we have a season and now I'm being tasked to do a NCAA recertification and I can't continue to help here as much as I'd like to. But the, the fact that I felt you know needed and um, cared for in that space was, was um, I guess, reaffirming of, of my passion to serve. Um, so not only was I helping my students that were having issues within COVID or having issues transitioning to a virtual um, setting or having issues because they don't eat unless they're at our school, um, helping to kind of navigate some of those spaces helped me to also realize and, and be affirmed that I am so much more than just a coach here. Um, I'm a community member, I'm an activist, I'm somebody who um, cares deeply about our students. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I've become part of some critical teams that I, I, they don't have to replace me now because my original critical team needs me. But um, you know, with, with every challenge, I feel like um, I was able to expand myself in a sense. Uh, but also this is the, the other challenge piece. I've learned to say no to some things as well. 
Like, how is that going to help me to serve students? Is this a task that somebody else can do? Can I help you to find the person to do that? Because right now I'm doing this for you and I'm doing it well. And then helping someone to kind of see, yeah, maybe she is right on that. Um, so learning to kind of create those boundaries has been a challenge and, and hopefully a success. I'm still employed. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to piggyback on something you just said there, Danielle, and, and, and one of the I think, successes that we all experience, especially when working on working with other members of the campus community and helping them to understand that we're more than just athletics, that we have other skill sets that can benefit the university. And it's not just about a whistle and a clipboard, um, as they may see us or, or see the department or even see our student athletes, that we do come in with other skill sets that can be beneficial uh, to committees and the work of the institution, um, especially here when we talk about COVID, um, that we had our entire uh, department do the John Hopkins course in preparation for what we needed to do in understanding COVID protocols and getting, our, getting prepared to having our students back. And really we were kind of ahead of the game and were able to kind of help and direct some of the committees on campus on the information that we, we found um, and what we learned. So again, I think, you know, another one of the successes is being that voice to show the campus and your know, other stakeholders that we're more than just a whistle um, and a clipboard. One other thing I wanna uh, pinpoint that Danielle said was about saying no, right? Like that is so important. And Renee talked about it earlier, like you know you've gotta perform, right? And so no early on tends to be something that we just don't feel like we can say. And, and I'm not even sure, right? Like do young professionals or early professionals have access to the word no? I'm not sure, but what I do know is as you move on and move up, it is something that you have to negotiate and figure out because you will kill yourself and grind yourself saying yes to everybody. And then you won't be doing the job that you know that you can do, right? To the excellent level that you know you can. Um, so I just wanted to underscore that point and just how important it is to be able to say no. I think that's very profound because just personally, that's something I had to work through in my career as well is just, trying to be everything to everyone it is absolutely exhausting. And especially doing DNI work, it's like you're pulled in a billion different directions and uh, people are tapping in, trying to tap into your, your time and your talent and everything like that. And, and because of the last you know, year, especially over the summer, people uh, attention I've been trying to get for a long time, all of a sudden now they wanna talk about things. <laughs> so now it's put more things on the plate uh, and it's not necessarily something that you always feel comfortable saying no, because you, if you say no, that there may be a, an expense attached to that no. Uh, and so just trying to prioritize what, what to be able to do. And that, that leads me to my next question, a little off script here, but how does, how do you all practice self-care? You know, so saying no is, is an example of that, but do you fill that time with anything that you just really want to do? And if so, what is that for you? Yes, for me to try to get to the beach whenever I can. <laughs> try to travel, you know, it's off season. Um, but I do try to stop, you know, do some reading and things of that nature. And um, like I said, if I can, you know, do some study, step away, get some near some water, kind of meditate, relax, you know, I, I'm good. I've learned how to do it inextensively and do it during the off season um, around what we have to do. So, you know, that's kind of my outlet. 
to when it gets crazy. I know for me, you know, especially us talking about COVID times, um, you know, I picked up them COVID-20 and I've been running from them ever since. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm trying to get back into the gym and get my health, you know, in, in line. And, and that's definitely important in reading and, you know, especially kind of binging on Netflix and Hulu and all those things, because being in a virtual world, you have you have some more time to do some of those things, though. So developing some new loves for some new TV shows. I am not great at this, but it's only because I am a doctoral student and because I have two little ones. So the blessing of COVID was that I was able to spend time with my kids in a way that I will never get again. So it was, it was, it was tremendous. I, I know uh, we lost people um, within our family and friend group a lot of people lost people, but that time that I had with my kids, um, I'm, I'm super duper grateful for. Um, I neglected some of my writing as a result, but I'm getting back on that um, because my kids are now back into school. Um, and I was also able to see that my kids would probably do better at home than in school. Like my, my son blossomed because it's one-on-one. -on -one. There's not 25 other kids and this kid needs to blow their nose and chew and correction and allergy and whatever else. It's one-on-one -on -one with, with my kids. So um, I will miss that, but I will find some, some balance eventually. I just don't know when that will be, but I, I, it's on the to-do list. When you're done, when you're done your dissertation, I guess. <laughs> yep yep listen if you need me to help push you across the line you let me know because that's how I got across so um yeah self-care is is definitely important so for me I am a very people person right like I love to be around people and so I really struggled moving to a new place and LA County was on lockdown so they were like nothing was open so um I really struggled being able to have a community or a group of people that I could say, hey, let's get together safely or anything like that. So um, I've just learned to kind of hop on Zoom. I now have a friend group here, which is great. And we can get together safely. But I will know up until like November, I was like, oh my gosh, right. Um, and working out is, is another great thing and, um, and something that I've tapped into. But it's people is what, um, how I gain my energy and release my stress. So uh, it was definitely a struggle first moving here. Um, yeah, for me, this, we have been full go all year. I've been in school, on campus, in person the entire time, and we have had all 23 of our sports going at the same time this spring. So it has been a hot mess. But um, when this year ends, um, I fully plan on going back to like my annual girls trips, which is something that I do every year. Um, it, it revitalizes me. Um, I prefer to spend time by myself. Uh, that gives me a great deal of energy. People suck um, a lot of energy out of me. Not that people suck. People suck a lot of energy out of me um, because I, I feel like it, I tend to take on other people's vibes too much. And so then I'm always trying to shed them once I'm done with them. Um, so I love to just spend me time, which I look forward to getting back to after we 
have some more control over COVID. Um, but the first thing that I plan on doing is my annual girls trip back. Um, enough places are opening up in a way that I can jump in a car and get there safely. So, you know, my text messages to, to a couple of girlfriends to try and just figure out a way to safely get and go someplace um, will definitely be needed come May. Um, and, and like Danielle, I'm trying to complete my dissertation. Um, and like the chair says, the best dissertation is a completed one. So I'm trying to be in that ministry. And again, if you need me to push you across the finish line, we've already had this conversation. You let me know. That's awesome. Also, recharging your battery, battery is of utmost importance. And a lot of times we pour into so many things and, and no one or nothing is pouring into us and we're not pouring into ourselves and, and everything like that. So it's uh, it's something that we all need to be practicing, finding out what that is for us. Um, uh, and so you all mentioned about the importance of having an, an investor in your life, you know, someone that does pour into you in, in a way that is going to say, hey, I see something in you, I see potential. What do you think about doing this? And then also having some representation where you can see someone successful that identifies, um, identify that you identify with. And I think there's a next generation of people coming up, especially women that are starting to see themselves more in coaching roles, AD roles, front office. Uh, you look at uh, Renee Montgomery and thinking like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and invest this. And I'm gonna get a high seat in here and make some decisions for this team because this franchise needs that, that um, you know, that decision-making, that inclusivity, like, you know, that transformation, I would say. Uh, and so what advice do you have for the next generation of women that are interested in a co college athletics career or just an athletics career in general? I'll kick it off. Um, I think relationships, you know, like any other industry, relationships are key. My first job that I got, I never even applied for. I got, I got it because of who I played for in college. Um, so it's about relationships. And, you know, I think Miriam and some other folks on here have talked about, it's not just the relationships above you, it's the relationships across from you, it's the relationships under you, it's the relationships around you. You know, you never know. And, and having, you know, good relationships and authentic relationships and, and people know who you are and, and, and they can attest to that. Because a lot of stuff happens through conversation and, and just being real and genuine with folks. That, that would be my, my main advice. One thing I'll add to that, um, because I think relationships are hugely important. And I think on top of that, um, it's being able to manage your own emotions. So emotional intelligence, right? Especially if you want to ascend to a place to be a leader. So being able to emotion, uh, manage others' emotions and your emotions is critical, right? Because there's gonna be a day when stuff hits the fan and you've gotta be the kind of cool, calm one. Or when somebody comes to you and they're blown off and going off that, you know how to de-escalate the situation or have hard, hard conversations in a way that people don't leave feeling disrespected, but feel open to being able to change, right? Um, and that doesn't mean it's always gonna happen, but I think being able to tune into that and, and being great at that is going to help you be a great leader and develop all of those relationships beside, above, beneath, so. Don't be afraid to move. Um, being a, you know, a Southern girl, 
um, first job opportunity was at the University of Iowa, in the Midwest, in the cold. Let me tell you, the hawk is no joke in the Midwest. <laughs> tell you, it's crazy. Um, but uh, I believe that that was uh, probably one of the best things that could have happened um, to me and for me for my career. Um, actually was able to study under Dr. Christine Grant, who I studied in graduate school as being one of the founding mothers of Title IX. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I was reading about you and here you are, I'm working for you um, in, that, in the space um, and learning. So do not be afraid to step out on faith and go somewhere that you may not have thought um, possible or, or could see yourself there, but it could open up doors for you down the road just by having that diverse experience. Um, Renee and I sit on a um, committee for a leadership event for students that will be potentially entering um, collegiate athletics as coaches or sports information or uh, administrators. And what, what I gained from our last meeting when I'm hearing a similar question being asked to a group that is different in terms of generations and, and Renee was speaking the things that I was thinking Renee was saying in a better way, because these young folks are fiery. These young folks know what they want. They're ready to, you know, break it down about what is wrong in their eyes with your institution. And I was, I was taken aback a bit because I was like, wow, I feel like I've been abused. You know, I kept my mouth shut because I wanted to get a job. So what I gained from it is, Two things. Um, you need to know your audience. You, you can't uh, you can't walk in the room that way. I mean, you need to stick to who you are and be authentic. But at the same time, you know, um, dream. Find a way to communicate the goals that you have, the vision that you see for spaces. Um, I, I think, in hindsight, for me, I, I just I went along with things because I wanted to be employed initially. I was, I was ready to, you know, just not be in my parents' home. And then when I got into the driver's seat or um, a, a head coaching position, then I could kind of make things be my way. But I was inspired by this, this last meeting that we had to, you know, kind of stick to my, my moral compass and my vision for things and be able to articulate that and support it. And if it's turned down, then it's turned down. But um, I was just so excited by the energy and the ideas that this younger generation of administrators, current administrators has. So, um, I think the, the biggest piece of advice, because all of these were amazing, um, would just be there's a difference between being heard and having things your way. And in order to be able to lead, you have to be able to be a very strong follower. Um, I feel like it's important to be able to know your space, um, to be able to verbalize your concerns, your thoughts, your suggestions, your direction, but not feel that if it's not done in that way, that it's wrong. If it's not done in that way, it can't happen, right? Um, I think that's very important because it will allow you to have access to more spaces to be impactful. Um, and I think that will help you get towards whatever your why is, um, that will help you get towards of whatever it is that you feel like you've been called to do as far as your work. Um, but 
making sure that you decipher the difference between being heard and having things your way. Uh, that those are very different things that I feel like a lot of times people blur the lines and feel like because something didn't go their way, they weren't heard. I heard you. I just disagree. Or I heard you, but I want to try it this way first. And, and just because you make one decision doesn't mean it automatically determines the next five or six, you know. Um, so I think that's that's important for people getting into this field to know, because you are every day juggling a thousand different personalities. Um, you're, you're, you're judging and having to evaluate and move through different priorities um, and where the work that you're doing falls within that, right? And we all have somebody that we report to, always. Um, and so you have to keep that in mind as well. Absolutely, thank you all for sharing all those thoughts. And you think about, so I want you to fast forward to when your careers are over and you're like, okay, it's okay if I hang it up now. Uh, time for me to move to the next chapter. What do you want your legacy to be? How do you wanna be remembered in the spaces that you've been able to impact? I mean, I think that I just wanna be remembered as a trailblazer, right? Like really created change, supported students um, and allowed the athletic director position to be seen as anything other than white and male. So, uh, and really just impacting young people's lives. I mean, I think we all would love to, whenever we're done to have a retirement party where we have student athletes from years ago who have come to talk about um, the impact that we have had on their lives. Um, so really just kind of all of that, having an impact, positive impact on a lot of people. Um, and then, yeah, being a trailblazer. Now, you know, continue with that, you know, those same sentiments that Miriam just uh, brought out, but hopefully, you know, you'll be able to say that I, you know, I left it better than what I found it, that I was able to pour in it and, and help build upon the foundation that was already laid and leave something there that was better, bigger, and someone else can pick it up and take it on to the next level. So definitely just want to say that, you know, I left an impact. Yeah, and then just following up on that, um, you know, I echo both what Miriam and Renee said, uh, but inspiring someone to be better than me, like so that they're going to have this conversation, you know, 40, 50 years from me, from now and say, well, she inspired me to do this and I was great because she pushed me and she propelled me and, you know, to just keep moving and going forward and, 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 and that, that, that would be, you know, Awesome. I think um, the legacy that I would like to, to leave is not necessarily um, about the victories or about championships. I mean, there's going to be elements of that. But when I speak to students that I coached 15 years ago and we talk about things, it's rarely about a championship. Um, or if it's about a championship, it's about um, a hurdle, no pun intended, that they were able to um, get over through support that they found within me, within themselves, me helping them to see something in themselves to grow. So it's, it's winning on all levels. 
helping someone to, you know, not give up on themselves, helping someone to see their value um, as a human being in some cases that they were worth being treated a certain way um, and how that can segue beyond athletics into their lives. So um, that would be it. I, I mean, I, I, for me, when it's all said and done, um, I hope that I'm remembered as somebody who served students first um, and that really poured into the experience that would build on the rest of their lives. Um, I think if for, for no other reason, so much of who I am today and what I do today is based on the people that were with me and supported me during a very pivotal time of my life, which was college, um, undergrad. Um, and so I wanna be able to be a part of, of providing that exceptional student experience. And my way of doing that is, is through sport and all the spaces that sport touches. So um, I, would, I would hope that that would be the legacy that you know, I could leave behind. That's amazing, y'all. As we wrap up, I got one final question. Uh, we're going to be talking about on the next few shows, of course, the NCAA tournaments. We'll be covering the men and women's tournaments, uh, just kind of doing our own little analysis and, and uh, early picks. So I want to hear from you all. Who are your picks for these tournaments? Uh, Miriam uh, had to go, but her pick is Wright State uh, because she went to college with the head coach, Katrina Merriweather. So she's rooting for Wright State. Hey, got to go with Don Staley and those uh, Gamecocks out of South Carolina. Uh, awesome, awesome coach, um, awesome coaching staff, and I've um, got to root for the home state there all the way. I'm going with Virginia Tech. Rutgers is out. <laughs> yeah, I got to go with Don Staley, too. South Carolina all the way. So... I, I have to do it because, my gosh, I used to stalk uh, Rebecca Lobo, Lisa Leslie, Staley oh. back in the day, like legit stalker of the USA team. So I really want to see Don Staley and, and the Gamecocks do well. But can I just tell y'all how excited I am to see Wright State, who has not changed the way that they play basketball in forever there and getting their first NCA win. So at this point, I'm like, let's go all the way. Let's go. Exciting game. It was an exciting game. Yeah, they're playing excellent basketball. This is going to be an exciting tournament uh, for sure, for sure. I've been glued to the screen last couple of days. Um, I just appreciate uh, all your time, uh, your talent, the wisdom that you shared with us today. I know our listeners uh, will definitely be able to um, get some inspiration, some takeaways, some, some applicable things. Elias, we were very fortunate to have listeners. Uh, last episode had seven different countries represented in that. And so you are inspiring people across the world. And so just know that um, your impact is going outside of this country as well. Uh, so just thank you again. I hope our paths cross again soon. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Coach's Box for the Culture. See y'all.